Waiting in line for coffee's one thing. Waiting for the gift that'll save your life's another story. I think the worst part is the unknown fear, which they say I shouldn't fear because I believe in God and fear is of the enemy, but I do fear. I, I get scared that I, I might leave them alone. That's Christine Hernandez. She's a 45-year-old nurse and mother of four, currently unable to work, saving others' lives because she's on dialysis, waiting for the gift of a kidney to save her life. I'm Monica Fox, kidney transplant recipient and director of outreach and government relations for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. On this episode of The Journey Continues, my guests are Christine and her caregiver, her oldest son, Julian. So Christine, when were you first diagnosed with kidney disease? Um, I was first diagnosed in 2016. And how'd you feel when you received that diagnosis? I was in shock. I had suspicions that I had kidney disease, but my doctor uh, didn't think I had kidney disease. I asked if I could get a a referral to see a nephrologist because uh, both of my brothers both had uh, kidney failure. And I felt like uh, I had some kind of diagnosis with uh, kidney disease, just didn't know what it was. And um, she went ahead and gave me a referral, like a little hesitant because she felt like I really didn't fit the criteria of someone that actually had kidney disease because I didn't have high blood pressure. I didn't have uh, diabetes. There wasn't anyone in my bo- in my family with like polycystic. So uh, there was there wasn't really a reason to give me referral to see a nephrologist. But I was persistent and I got her to get me that referral. And I met this awesome nephrologist. I told him my story. He went down my family tree and. Um, He said that uh, he usually wouldn't do this, but uh, he was going to take my case in front of a board, a panel of nephrologists to see if he could do something radical, which was uh, do a biopsy of my kidney because he couldn't get a good picture of my uh, kidneys. Because according to my blood work, my kidneys were functioning above 60%, which is considered like normal, right? So after he got that uh, approval, we went uh, in and I got the biopsy and it showed the next day he came in, it was myself and Julian, like always together. And he told me that he had some bad news for me, that my kidneys were functioning at like 30% each and that uh, there was no cure for kidney disease, and that I looked like I had a genetic type of kidney disease called medullary cystic kidney disease, which didn't have a blood test or a uh, any kind of test for it. There was only clinical trials for it to find to find you know find out if I had it. Um, so he uh, un officially diagnosed me with that and told me, I asked him, I said, what could I do being proactive, being that I got it at 30%, um, what could I do uh, to try to prolong my kidney life, right? Because it's called kidney life. And um, he said, 
well, there's nothing much you can do. I said, could we put a stent in them? That was the nurse thinking uh, in me that I could fix everything, right? I said, could we put a stent in it so we could get some blood flowing to the area and maybe get it to work again? And he said, no, uh, once the kidneys are gone, they don't rejuvenate. They don't get fixed. They just keep declining. But what you could do is be proactive, be on a diet, low sodium, and also look into kidney transplants for the future and dialysis. And I just was like flabbergasted. I wanted to cry. I think I did cry. I did everything all at once because I didn't have a chance to like really take in the grieving process. So I did everything like really fast. Christine, I'm so glad that you were so proactive and went ahead and insisted on further testing so that you got a diagnosis as soon as possible. Julian, how did you feel when you heard your mom's diagnosis? Well, it was a bit of a shock and uh, it it like brought to light that we needed to change our lifestyles. Well, her, my uncles, they all have kidney failure. So I didn't want to end up with kidney failure too. I decided to start taking care of myself. My mom started taking care of herself and uh, just to prolong my kidneys. Well, that was really a smart thing to do. And Christine, how long after that diagnosis um, did your kidney failure progress until you needed dialysis? It was like, uh, I would say four years. It was really fast. I went from getting my diagnosis to being on dialysis. And so what's dialysis treatment like for you? Dialysis is like really, I have a nickname for my machine, which is like, I think the corniest nickname ever. I call it kidney. (laughs) 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 Um, So it's been hard and I try to make the best of it. Um, for all of us, and we all have our moments, of course, and sometimes we get on our last nerves, especially with the quarantine. Um, but I have, I think, probably one of the best support systems that any mom could ever ask for. Um, everyone takes a chance to kind of hang out with me, come and make jokes, make me laugh, make me feel better. I also do the same thing to them. When I'm not on uh, dialysis, we try to do things to keep our minds off of it. So dialysis is hard on the body because it's not your kidneys. So it's a machine uh, acting as your kidneys. So a lot of times you feel uh, the pressures in your body, even though right now it's been a little easier since I've been on the home hemodialysis. So it's been a lot easier on my body, but I still kind of uh, feel it because it's not my kidneys, not my natural kidney, of course. So you were doing in-center dialysis treatment and now you're doing dialysis at home. How often do you dialysize? I do it uh, four days a week and then uh, from start to finish is like four hours. So that's a lot of time that you spend doing dialysis, but it sounds like it's really a family affair. Yes, it is. So Julian, how old are you? I'm 25, going to be 26. 
tell me something about yourself. Sounds uh, like you had a lifestyle change. Yeah, I did. And uh, I'm interested in hearing more about that. Well, I started spending a lot more time at home with my mom and just trying to make sure she's okay and make sure she didn't need anything, stuff like that. But in my spare time, I like to play video games. I like to play the piano. Uh, we have four dogs. They usually keep me very busy. And uh, my little siblings, too, they're, they keep me busy, too. I love being around them. So, How old are your siblings, Julian? Uh, I have a brother that is 22. My sister is 15. And then my youngest brother is 13. You sound like such an amazing young man to um, have taken on the task of being your mom's caregiver. How does that make you feel? I honestly don't think about it too often. I feel like anybody that was put in my position would have done the same. I love my mom to death, so I would do anything for her. And it's just become my everyday life. So it's kind of like my job. I wake up in the morning. I do what I have to do. I don't think twice about it. Christine, how does it feel to have your son as your caregiver? Uh, uh, I feel guilty. I'm sorry. I get, I get very emotional because um, he should be doing uh, other things, not taking care of, of me. But um, he doesn't think twice about it. Like he says, it's like routine okay mom uh i brought down uh the um saline bags and the pack and we're gonna do this and everything's done or um um if i'm not feeling good um i don't have to ask a question he's there with what i need and i just feel i feel very terrible that i have to rely on him because this is not like at his age, kids are usually, you know, they, they're going into meeting someone and going out and living their lives. And he, his life is on pause for me. Well, it's a testament to you as a mother that your son would take time to do this for you. And I, I just think it's just beautiful um, that Julian is such a wonderful young man. You have raised such a wonderful young man. What is the worst part of this for you being on dialysis and having kidney disease? I think the worst part is the unknown. Um, uh, just fear, which they say I shouldn't fear because I believe in God and um, fear is of the enemy, but I do fear. I I get scared that I I might leave them al alone, and and I get scared of that every once in a while. And I just start uh, to meditate and to pray and just to ask God to give me a prolonged life so I could be there for them and be there for other people that need me too. I'm praying with you as well, Christine, that you receive the gift that you need. So let's talk about transplant because that's that's where you're on your way. You're on your way to getting a transplant, to receiving the gift that you need. So where where are you listed for transplant? I am listed at uh, Northwestern Memorial Hospital. That, that was actually uh, where I was a nurse at. That was my first nursing job. 
And, uh, and then I'm also listed at UW Madison and that's in Wisconsin. And, um, I'm headed to, uh, Tampa general. I'm going to, uh, be listed over there. My appointments November 4th. Um, uh, they told me I should, uh, be listed at, uh, multiple hospitals because I have a very high PRA count. Uh, I have a high antibody count expanding, uh, territories will increase my chances of getting a transplant. And what is your blood type, Christine? It's uh, O positive, but any type of O would be able to donate to me. And they also have the paired exchange. So not necessarily a O blood type, but anyone willing to donate. Um, they have a paired program where they find me a match and then that person donates to the one that didn't match is like a cross match, but um, they do it like that also. So that's a good program. That's a great program. So how long have you been waiting for kidney transplant? Since uh, 2018 was when I started. Christine and Julian, this question is for both of you guys. How do you keep your spirits up while you're waiting for transplant? I'll, I'll start with you, Christine. I listen to a lot of church, right? Uh, online. I pray a lot. Uh, the kids and I, uh, we have fun. So we play random games. Uh, we play, we also play bingo at home and like home games. We have the pool in the backyard. So in the summer we were in the pool and, um, I kept them busy like that. And, so we we try to keep uh, busy. And if we ever want to go out, we just kind of get in the car and go for a ride. We just don't get out. <laughs> um, but we get we we go for rides. And Julian, what do you say to how you keep your spirits up while while you're waiting for your mom to get her kidney transplant? Uh, well, we're a bunch of goofballs. So 24 seven, we're just joking around and making each other laugh, like to the point where we're crying on the floor you know and that seems to take up a lot of a lot of time there's <laughs> there's an endless amount of jokes to tell in this house so we're just constantly laughing smiling hanging around uh that seems to lift the spirits the most and again the dogs we literally could sit there and watch them chase each other and that's a really good time we listen to a lot of music to pass the time by but uh, at the end of the day, we just, we're always in the back of our mind, hoping for that kidney. We know it'll come soon. And Christine, what about the other kids? How did they, how are they handling this? Um, well, uh, Bella was in therapy, but then uh, we had started going to church and she felt like she didn't need therapy anymore because she had church. And uh, which was a blessing. So now she's in a church group on the weekends and uh, she has her friends. And then uh, Christopher, uh, he has aut autism. So he goes to therapy and he goes to school and uh, he talks to us. He's a joker too, believe it or not. He's very high functioning. So he doesn't really understand uh, like kidney failure. So he thinks like you... 
I'll go to the hospital and like get a kidney and that's it, you know, or the other day I was getting a new cycler. He was like, oh, great, Ma, you got your kidney transplant. We don't need this anymore. <laughs> I was like, no, it's a new one. He was like, oh, I thought we were getting lucky and getting rid of it because he's very black and white, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, no, uh, buddy, I need this until I get my kidney transplant. Well, can you hurry up and get a transplant already, Mom? I'm like, I wish it was that fast, buddy, but it's going to happen, you know? Yes, it's going to happen. I believe that. So that brings me to uh, one last question, Christine. What did you say to our listeners who are healthy with two kidneys, one to spare? I would say that um, the gift of life, donating a kidney is amazing. It prolongs another person's life. You only need one kidney to live. That one kidney that uh, stays in your body actually compensate, it grows, and uh, it, it does the work of two kidneys, basically. That gift is a priceless gift. It's amazing. And there are people out there that are w- willing to do that. And I think that 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 is a gift that is irre- it's just, I, I, I'm like speechless about it. It's I would be grateful if someone were uh, to donate a kidney to me and give me the chance to pay it forward and dedicate my life to the cause. I'm already dedicated as it is, but I want to be dedicated more. I want to be more involved. I would like to have more energy in that person. I want them to know that they're safe. The process is so vigorous in testing that they check you from head to toe. They won't, they will not let you donate a kidney if you have anything wrong with you. They do such a good physical that you might find something you didn't even know you had. Um, That's how good the physicals are at all the transplant centers. So um, they wouldn't take a chance. They make sure you're healthy, that you're able to donate the kidney. And just uh, think about it. You'll be giving someone else life, someone's family life, You'll be bringing joy back into somebody's household and uh, changing somebody's life. And I, I hope some, I, I'm able to reach someone that a special someone that uh, could give me hope and let me uh, continue to be a mom and a nurse and help patients out there that might need help like me. Very well said, Christine. Thank you so much. Julian, what would you say to them? Never take anything for granted. Life is too short, you know, and uh, if there's something you want to do, go out there and do it while you still can, while you're still healthy. And uh, a little bit of what my mom said, if you have two good kidneys and you're able to donate one we were actually looking up the other day which uh organs you could donate you know because you can't donate a heart you need your heart but which organs you have two of that you could spare one to somebody else because there's so many people out there that need uh transplants it's it's crazy and even if you know someone's listening to this and their blood type is not O. There's other people out there that need transplants just as well, that are A, that are B, A, B, it doesn't matter. You could just be saving someone's life. And I think that's a blessing. That is a blessing. Well, I agree with you both. 
And I want to thank you both for taking this time to talk with me, to share your stories so intimately. And I hope that that special person is listening today and that your gift is on the way. Thank you, Monica. Thank you so much. More than 3,300 people just like Christine are waiting for a life-saving kidney in Illinois. When you become an organ donor, you're giving families just like Christine and Julian the most extraordinary gift imaginable, life. To learn more about living donation, visit nkfi.org. This has been The Journey Continues. I'm Monica Fox, wishing you a safe and healthy journey. At NKFI, prevention is a major part of our mission. That's why at the end of each episode, you will hear a nutrition tip. Here's Dr. Melissa Prest. Here is today's nutrition tip about maintaining or achieving a healthy body weight. Maintaining a healthy body weight is important for your overall health, and it may be discussed with the transplant team when being evaluated for receiving or donating an organ. If you find that your appetite is doing great and you're eating more food than your body needs, try to eat your biggest meals earlier in the day and have a lighter meal at the end of the day. Make non-starchy vegetables the star of your plate and choose a smaller, closed fist-sized portion of high-fiber grains. Go for a serving of fruit for dessert to satisfy your sweet tooth. And don't forget to swap out high-calorie sugar-sweetened beverages with low or no sugar beverages or water. If you're medically cleared to exercise, work on getting in 30 to 60 minutes of activity a day and pick an activity that is joyful to you. If you're struggling to eat and do not have an appetite or the energy to prepare meals, go for calorically dense foods like healthy oils on vegetables or grains, cream cheese on a bagel, fruit and vegetable smoothies and protein shakes. Enjoy smaller, more frequent meals or have a few snacks during the day. It might be helpful to prepare some meals a few days ahead of time, so all you have to do is take out your prepared meal, reheat, and eat. And don't be shy. Ask for help when you need it. Staying healthy is the most important thing and your friends and family want to help you. With today's nutrition tip, I'm Melissa Prest, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. The Journey Continues is brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and sponsored by Donate Life Illinois. To learn more about kidney disease and living donation, visit www.nkfi.org. To register to become an eye, tissue, and organ donor, visit lifegoeson.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to and leave a review for The Journey Continues in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. This podcast is produced by Rivet. To hear more great podcasts, visit rivet360.com.